1: Forever Dog I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even means I just want you in my arms again. And we can search each other's dreams.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Three Swings. This is the podcast about baseball and other things. I am changing up the intro a little bit. We're going to do something different. Um, I am really excited about this episode. Finally, the time has come. There is a guest on Three Swings. Um, Very excited to welcome to the show later on uh, in the episode... Anika Oreck, who uh, not only wrote but illustrated the book, uh, "The Incredible Women of the All American Girls Professional Baseball League," um, which is out now. So you should definitely get a copy. We're all about supporting independent art, especially art made by you know uh, women, women based people, non-binary people, trans folks, all those folks on. The margins ish, you know, um, and she's done a really wonderful job of creating something from a time where there was a lot of exclusivity and created an inclusive document. And um, I think you're really going to enjoy that interview. So please stick around for that. And also stick around for, you know, some live shows from me. Uh, I have some tour dates and it's probably Friday. So I probably have already performed in Kansas City and it was probably already wonderful. You might be concerned about what's going on. I am too. Um, Let me put these live dates out there and then we'll get into that. Um, I've probably been at the Kansas City Comedy Club last night. It is probably Friday the 13th. Happy Friday the 13th. Go get a tattoo if you can. I'm going to be at Duet Jazz tonight in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Come to that show. I want to see you there. I want to make you laugh. And then tomorrow on the 14th, I'll be at the waiting room in Omaha, Nebraska. Now getting into what's going on. I have no idea if these shows are going to happen and I am okay if they don't Um, because I think what we need to do now is think about our fellow human beings and uh, we don't know how this thing is going and the thing that we need to do is stop it and the thing that I'm talking about is the coronavirus. I think that um, there's a lot of fear going around. I think there's also a lot of people who are swinging the other way and trying and dismissing everything and saying, "Oh, it's just a panic." Both of those things are not great, I think, and I think we should probably shade up the middle a little bit and uh, you know, watch for the double play, which is to say I think we need to continue having living our lives, taking care of each other, being kind. I think you should stock up on some food if you're in a position to do so. If you're in a position to do so and you know people who aren't, perhaps your neighbors, somebody down the hall. Consider giving some food to some folks. Um, consider having, being there for other people. If you are in contact with older people and you do not have to be, maybe don't do that for a little bit. Um, I think we just need to be careful. Like I, my my mom does not live in Kaiga County. There's coronavirus in Cuyahoga County. She lives south of their people commute back and forth all the time my mom works in a retail pharmacy she is over the age of 60. I don't know what kind of health care she has I'm super worried about her um but I'm not panicking I'm just thinking about her sending her love and stuff but I do think that we need to be prepared for the possibility of like a major shutdown because we had a moment to uh, we had we had the leeway and we did not act as a country and now we're playing catch-up, and so now all these measures are very drastic, and that's why all these things are canceled. Um, And so I don't think this is... We should not panic because things are being canceled. We just uh, we didn't act as a country um, quickly enough, and now we're doing things that feel really drastic and panicky. So the thing is, like, canceling these things, and we might not even have a a men's Major League Baseball season, so uh, we'll see. You know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not worried uh, in this way that like, I mean, I'm concerned because people are going to perish from this and that's incredibly sad and I wish that they didn't have to. Um, but I think we just need to be calm, concerned, stay educated, talk to people and be prepared. Wash your goddamn hands. Like I cannot believe how many people don't wash their hands. I've been traveling for a job for like seven years, basically. And, um, I've been wiping down planes. I'm not trying to, I'm just like, I'm, I'm honestly surprised at how few people do it. That's all. Um, I'm glad that people are learning to do this cause, uh, it's going to help fight the spread of disease, but that's what has to happen is we have to like snap the community, the, the, the sending of it to each other. And, uh, so that's why this is going on. So like, like I said, get some canned food have some supplies because there's a very real chance that if you live in a very big city the city is going to get shut down for a couple days um because we just have to like snap the virus out so I- i'm also not a doctor and you don't have to listen to me at all but these are the things that i'm doing and i am traveling this week but i also feel like there's a real possibility that the other travel that i have coming up is not going to happen but i appreciate your support and i'm Going day by day. And as of right now, I'll be doing a live Three Swings live podcast at the Kennedy Center in DC on March the 28th. And then in uh, April on the 22nd, I'll be at the improv in San Antonio, Texas. And then the 23rd through the 25th, I'll be at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival which is a large gathering of people in Austin, Texas. And then on May 30th, I'll be at the Bell House in Brooklyn. And then on the 31st, the day after that, I'll be at Arts at the Armory in Somerville, Massachusetts. And also on May 1st, if you're in Los Angeles or feeling like you want to travel, on May 1st, I'll be doing a Netflix special uh, called um, Out, A Night Out, uh, which is an LGBTQ stand-up special that they're putting together for Netflix. That's with Paige Hurwitz and Wanda Sykes, uh, their lovely production company. And the lineup is pretty stellar and I'm pretty grateful to be part of it. Perhaps it gets rescheduled. Who knows? I don't know what any of this, how any of this is going to go down. None of us know. The only thing we can do is take care of each other. uh, Be kind and considerate and like, don't be afraid of each other. You know, like let's give each other some space, but let's not treat each other as though we're lepers because that is uh, not... Not not what we should be doing. Um, you can have space from people without and be kind. Um, so just let's be considerate, let's keep our hands clean, let's do as much as we possibly can um f- to ensure the safety of each other and ourselves. That being said, um, I just want to give a quick intro because uh the 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 interview is really wonderful and I want to get right to that. Um thank you to everybody for listening to this show. Um, I've been talking about like spending time off of the internet and recently got back on the internet and recently made some opinions known. And I've, I've wrestled with it ever since that now I feel like I wish that I hadn't. Um, I was going, I I wish that I hadn't for the reason that like, now I feel like I'm not being taken seriously by a quotient of people and that's nothing I can control like people were already not taking me seriously because it's just it's just human beings not a large group of people just a group of people um and i had a belief and i wanted to carry that out and like i don't regret it but i'm also like oh now people aren't you know this is this is in the back of their minds no matter what i say um and so i i appreciate the people there have been a lot of people that have responded in kindness and uh, understanding and uh, i just I just want to say thank you to those people. I want to say thank you to the people who didn't respond either because they wanted to say something mean. Thank you for your pause. And also thank you to the people who didn't respond because they agreed and they just walked on by, you know, thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you to everybody that's worked really hard the past four years to make some change. Thank you to the people who really put themselves out there. I am really sad. I've been really sad the past couple days Um, because I really thought this was something else. And, you know, the reality is for me at least, and perhaps you don't agree, but maybe you could consider what I'm saying, not because I want you to agree with me because I just want you to consider it. And I don't, I don't blame any single person for this. That's, that is, that, that is the thing I want you to remember is that sexism is alive and well, and it is happening all the time. And I also have learned in the past four years that there are many times that I bring it into my own life. However, if there's anything that I've learned in the past couple days, it's that so, so much of this was misogyny that is deep-seated and at a level that we can't even see. And um, I base that not on one person, on a couple – And I don't blame it on any one person, um, because I think even, even that person, even many people, it's just, it's just been stunning. It's, it's honestly, I cannot describe it as anything other than stunning the past couple days of just going like, wow, that's, that's actually what it was. That's actually what it was. That's not to say it's the only thing that it was, um, and I, because i cannot you cannot boil any of it. it's it is incredibly complicated it is a kaleidoscope of things all happening at once which is where we find ourselves every single day um but it's been you know 40 years of of actions leading to where we're at today um and i'm trying to find the relief in that i'm trying to find the relief in oh oh it really was this it absolutely was i'm not crazy it's been like this all along. I wasn't wrong. And I'm also grateful that in putting that aside for four years and going, well, maybe it wasn't that, allowed me to see other people's points of view, what they wanted for this country and for their, their fellow Americans, I was able to see other things. And I'm very grateful for that perspective. And I perhaps wouldn't have gotten it if I wasn't able to set it aside for a moment. So there's there's that. Um. And so I just think I I I beg you if you did not believe there to be any sexism in the last 5 years of the political sort of conversation I beg of you to please just look at the fact that it's absolutely true. Doesn't mean it's the only thing, it just means that it's absolutely true. Um in and, and again just consider it again. You do not have to agree with me, but I ask you to consider it. Um cuz and I I find it to be relevant for the interview that's going to follow this episode. And the last thing that I'll say, um, and like none of this is about baseball, but like, you know, I'm not even talking about the fact that like the press is being banned. It's, 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 it's wild to me that the first people that are banned from, from baseball is the press, which is like the press is what unraveled this most recent conversation. It's like, everything is just unraveling, which is a, good thing ultimately, because it means things are blowing open and coming apart. Um, and then they'll come back together again. I believe that they will. And the reason I believe that they will is because I I was just speaking to a friend who lost someone very close to them. And at their memorial service, there was a spiritual leader. I don't remember what their title or anything was, but, um, they shared this with me and it actually gave me it gave me a new feeling about all of this. So I I feel compelled to share it with you is that this, the, the, we are in the world at a time when it is in transition, which is very clear to many people. Um, and the souls that are, that are living on the earth right now, we volunteered for this. Um, and we, we're all meant to be here right now. And I find a lot of comfort and a lot of like, Uh, power in that. in in the fact that like, we're not all burdened with what this is. We actually wanted to be here. And I want to be here. I want to be here with you. And I want to keep doing this. You know, Um, I don't feel that way every second. But I feel that way most of the time. And I didn't always feel that way. And I'm, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for everyone in my life i'm grateful for everyone that listens to this podcast i'm grateful for everyone who gets up in the morning and says thank you instead of i don't know what to do um or i don't want to do this and i i say that not to scorn the people who do but just to say i'm i'm grateful for those people because they're helping me um and they're helping us and uh, i i most mornings am that person um and I'm, I'm really grateful to have been given the opportunity to be that person. And uh, I just f- have felt very lightened in, in hearing that from my friend that um, we chose to be here. Because every day we choose to be here. And I'm grateful that you continue to choose to be here. And let's just keep trying to make this world a better place in the small amounts that we can with the little tiny things. because. If we all do little tiny things, it adds up to one big one, which is a lot of love and a lot of caring for each other. Um, so do something nice for somebody, even if it's sending them like $5 on Venmo to go get a coffee or order a coffee, you know, whatever it is, um, just just put some love in the world, put some love inside of yourself and then radiate it out. That's all we can do is radiate love um, for the foreseeable future. So... I, I thank you very much for listening to this show. I look forward to the future with you. We're going to get through this together because we all want to be here. And I'm very grateful to be here. And I'm grateful for you. And I'm grateful if you're worried about being here. Because I, I'm grateful that you're here. Um, so, we're going to have a quick ad break. And then you're going to get a great interview with the lovely Anika Iraq. um i'm so excited to have this guest on the podcast it's been like i feel like a long time coming and yet another guest who's connected to uh, the show by friend of the show uh justine siegel uh founder of baseball for all and just all around baseball legend at this point um anika orak thank you so much for being on the show hello thank you for having me yeah ab- agreed yeah she's as a legend a wonderful <laughs> a wonderful person and i'm so glad that she connected the two of us um and the so the reason she did is uh and we'll just get like right to the point of that is uh you you wrote and also illustrated this wonderful book the incredible women of the all-american girls professional baseball league and thank you for spelling out the whole acronym i do really appreciate that personally <laughs>
1: I'm glad you do, because it was a pain in the ass. I'm, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm
0: sure kidding. that it was for, I it, mean, it's beautiful typeface <laughs> is <laughs> you know
1: <Yeah. laughs> well i I had um I had some very fortunate help with the cover. um i don't I didn't know what to do. it was so wordy, but it turned out beautiful. I had a lot of great help with that and and
0: yeah, i'm I'm glad it's all there, yeah, I think it it looks really wonderful, and i I can't wait to get into you know, the book and the league and, and all of that. But I, I do want to ask you up top, like, cause I ask most guests on the show, like what their relationship to baseball is. And when you recall that relationship beginning and how it started the feelings around that, what's your relationship to baseball?
1: Oh yeah. Well, I think my relationship to baseball is probably very similar to most people's where there's just um it's so intertwined with early memories and childhood and nostalgia and family relationships um so you know my love for baseball really started before I had ever even seen a game I think or at least attended one um I grew up spending summers and weekends with my grandparents and I I just had a really close relationship with my grandparents and um they always had baseball on the radio. They always had the Giants games on the radio. Amazing.
0: Very, and, um, very similar story here. <laughs> really? It's yeah. those grandparents. Well, I mean, it's the grandparents connection and the sort of always having the games on. We, we watched games, but I listened to a lot of them just like sort of staring at a ceiling fan and listening to the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, that's interesting because like, uh, like you're saying the grandparents thing. And I was thinking, well, I wonder why my parents never did that or um why the next generation didn't do it as much but you know so much had changed and that was such a generational thing and when you're just spending the day at your grandparents and that's what's happening that's what you do Absolutely. and uh, but it was just such a, like a nice warm memory before I even knew what was going on I loved that it was always on and I could always count on those voices being on or they'd be on in the car and uh and then I got you know a probably like around 17, 16, 17 years old is when I really, you know, I got it and I loved it for everything that it was, but the radio is still my favorite way to, to take in a ball game other
0: than being there. Sure. Um, I, um, I I think a lot of people, um, scoff at the idea of listening to Games, which is funny. Well, those those because- people are dumb. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> sure. Sorry, they just don't understand, man. Yeah, they just okay, don't yeah. understand. That's but, a um, very more fair way of saying it. You sure? <laughs> I think it's also interesting too that baseball, the way you just presented it, is, uh you know, it was on TV and on the radio in this way that you could leave your house, continue to wa- listen to the game in a way that, like. We didn't really... Now we have that. You can be watching a TV show, leave your house, continue watching it on your phone, (laughs) get on a plane, watch it on your iPad. You know what I mean? Like, it's Mm -hmm. kind of this original streaming, you know, because there are so many games and they're on for the entirety of a season... Longer than an actual season of of nature, you know? (laughs) So it takes up most of the year, you know? um if you were a fan that follows you know spring training all the way till the world series um Mm -hmm. and it's kind of interesting how it predates streaming as a thing you know totally
1: (laughs) yeah it's like the original streaming
0: yeah Yeah. and you
1: can you uh, also like on demand in a weird way i mean you couldn't maybe not necessarily pulling up previous games but you could you can kind of dip in and out you know I remember like my grandma would doze off or sure. you would, you know, or you'd have to run into the store and you would be talking to the clerk and then you come back out and okay, what happened? And you, it, it moves at such a pace that, you know, yeah, you would sometimes miss something really exciting, but you could pretty much get what was happening. Right. And oftentimes
0: time. people, the, the color commentators will catch you up on that thing that you missed. Yeah. Given yes. like what you said, the pace of the game, which is, often the biggest barrier of entry for many people because they believe the pace to be this like slow snails pace of a game, which I understand, especially now, you know, um, everything that we do is at this pace of like microseconds, you know, I feel like Mm -hmm. um, I've been spending less time on the internet and have recently spent more time on the internet and I can feel a difference in myself, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's these like uh, micro climates of news and like problems and, and like, I feel as though baseball has that in it. This, these sort of like each, it has, it's a game that has a bunch of games in it. You know, if you're watching, if you're paying, if you're paying that amount of attention. And, um, I don't think one is better than the other. Like if somebody's at a game and they're having a good time, that's all I really care about, you know? And also like, if you're at the game and you're not having a good time, I care about that too. Let's try to fix that. But, um, it, it is an interesting, I don't think you could have that same thing at a different pace. Right.
1: No, I agree. And there, there is, you know, I guess every once in a while, I wonder if baseball will survive at the pace, that pace is moving. Sure. <laughs> um, but I also think it, it gives it so much more value because it's so uniquely, you know, they, they keep trying to make changes to the game to sort of speed it up with, replay, which ironically, I feel I'll like. Didn't really work. Down to uh, it, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, all these, these different, the, the, the walking situation where they just the instant walk and the no, you know, all those things. Um, I, I, I hate it. Cause I feel like it takes so much out of the game, but I feel like there's only so much that can be done. Um, that's just coming from like a purist point of view, but, sure. but there's really only so much you could do before it wouldn't be baseball anymore. And so it's just I I feel like it has more value now than ever for that reason. I just hope that other people agree. <laughs> but yeah. you know, we find ourselves sort of drawn to things that are the antithesis of what's happening because we need it. We're we're not wired to be wired and um I don't know. I I would rather be at a baseball game than anywhere else for that reason. Kind of like the same reason I love being on an airplane is even though you can communicate to the ground now, I I don't. And it's this, uh, it's understandable. It's like, Oh, she's there. We still are at a place where people are like, Oh, she's on an airplane. <laughs> right, so yeah, you she can't really, you know, and you have no choice but to just sit there and have a good snack and a drink and watch a movie or read a book, you know, Yeah, I mean, you can do other things. But I like that, that sort of, I don't know, removal and
0: jo- enjoyment for a small time. I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm actually do- doing the artist way and I'm on like the reading deprivation week. So, like, it's it's the same kind of thing where you're, like, removing ah. these inputs, you know? And, like, it even in a day that I have not done perfectly because I still have to, like, work, you know? <laughs> like So, right. I'm, like, looking at your book, you know, reading emails because, like, I still have to participate in my work. But, like, attempting to remove those things that you're talking about, like, the amounts of input and, like, being very mindful and choosing those things really does start to open up what you're participating in. And I feel like for me baseball is one of those things because you can just go and watch the game happen. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it hap- yeah. it's 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 the night. It's like the rest of your night. Um yes. and I I also love just like happening upon games. There's a lot of games in California. I'm very lucky to live in a place where there's a big baseball community um on different levels and so like Sometimes I'll just be by a little league game or something and just watch it because <laughs> it's there, you know?
1: Oh, that makes me so homesick. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because I know, I, I mean, I, we've, I've, we've only lived in Nashville for a year and, um, it's, you know, I mean, there's baseball history here and there's yep. a minor league team here, but it's have you been not, to a sounds game yet? Uh, I have the only unfortunate thing about baseball here. Well, I don't, it, it's, there's, you know, we're saying there's a whole, it extends like all these three seasons, but seasons here I've learned there's only like a week long window where it's actually comfortable to sure. be outside. I, yeah. So, um, that makes it different, but you know, I, I, I'm from the Bay area where there's it's same thing. And then there's all these like, uh, vintage leagues where they're like, it's almost like uh like civil war reenactment, but it's baseball in um, the Bay
0: area or in Nashville. In San Francisco, in oh. the Bay area.
1: There's, there's probably one here. Um, I, I think there is, but yeah, just the constant presence of it around, you, you know, you can go to either the Coliseum or Pac Bell or whatever it's called now. And I'm sure the same thing for you in Southern California.
0: I miss it. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. I understand. Um, I, I went to a sounds game and it was, it was, I mean, I had like a Perfect seat and I was sitting next to like scouts and stuff and it was a lot of fun. I really Oh fun. I love their like logo sets. They have some of the best. Um like uh the the guy with the mustache like swinging an acoustic guitar. <laughs> <It's> very <laughs> yeah. just very funny to me. Um I agreed. I and do you like, you mentioned yes. when you were talking about getting into baseball that like 16 or 17 is when it really got you. When you say like got you, what do you mean? Uh
1: I mean, okay, it sounds so corny, but it's like the fever, like suddenly sure. I cared and I and uh I wanted to follow it and I I just I don't know, suddenly I felt like it just was part of my life in a different way and not just like a peripheral. Mm. That's my grandparents thing kind of a way. And um it was interesting because this is before apps and um I went to high school. I grew up mostly in Salt Lake City because my parents uh, had worked for the airlines and the San Francisco base closed. So, uh, my, my grandparents were still in the Bay area and we had like a system where if they're like, if the giants scored, and this also happened during football season with the 49ers, but I didn't care about that. (laughs) But my, my, uh, my grandparents would ring the house phone. Like my grandpa would ring once if the giants scored, and then I think it was like twice if the opposing team scored, like we would just let oh, it ring and not pick up. Wow. So I could kind of keep like some kind of a, you know, it's definitely nothing like keeping a box score. Sure, anything, but there's but-
0: almost something like more baseball to me about just knowing, like knowing that the game is happening and then hearing mm-hmm. this sort of like Morse code that you guys have come up with during that time <laughs> yeah. frame. Like that to me is like, honestly, more baseball than a box score.
1: It was pretty simple and archaic, but yeah. And, and the anticipation of it was really fun because there's just a lot of dead air. And then all of a sudden the phone would ring and it, and it was like, is it an actual phone call from someone or is right. it, you know, so it was really fun to hear it stop, you know? Yeah. But, especially um,
0: to not hear it hear too. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I loved that. I thought that was always fun as a kid, but then there got to be a certain point where I was like, okay. It's on. I'm waiting for it. You know, I would listen right. for it. And, uh, yeah.
0: And so are so the giants still your team? They are, they are. Congratulations. Uh... <laughs> Thank you. I don't really Thank get you. down with the like whole rivalry. Cause I'm not, I'm not from here, you know? So like, I don't, I mean, I also respect it. Like, no, I'm not trying to dismiss it or anything, but I don't, uh, I don't participate in it. if if that makes sense, because I don't, I don't feel as though it's necessarily, if I go to a game, then I'm definitely, you know, I'm cheering for the team of the town that I live in, but I don't, um, I don't like hold it against people, you know, (laughs) in in the hopes that they also (laughs) don't hold it against me, but I can't expect that. But I just, am like, why would I, you know what I mean? So
1: I totally get that. It's so funny because I, you know, I think it's fun and it's Mm -hmm. like a healthy little thing sometimes, but I've said it before. I, I can't, bring myself to really get into it or care because two reasons they're, they're like the, you know, the giants and the Dodgers are so necessary to one another and so <laughs> rich in that history. And there's such a connection there. And I love the the Dodgers franchise history, like Sandy Koufax and branch Ricky and Jackie Robinson. And all, you know, it's so I, I, there's nothing to hate on it really, but also even the like lightest, Comments that are made toward one another. Every once in a while, when someone says something to me about being a Giants fan, that's a little bit cutting. I still translate that as that's not that's unkindness toward one another. Oh yeah, I just can't bring myself to do it. I can't bring myself to participate because no matter how I slice it, it's like it's still not nice, and
0: I just don't like that. I mean, honestly, good for you, but I don't. I don't (laughs) think so. It sounds to me you're a kind human being you know? Well, thanks. That's, that's what it sounds like to me.
1: I just, I love baseball more than I love the rivalry. I
0: don't know. And I love baseball
1: more than I love the giants. I just, I don't
0: know. I mean, that's that's... the thing. That's the thing. I really, those are the pull quotes for this episode. I love baseball more than I love the rivalry. (laughs) And I think that's, I mean, not to get, I don't want to get into this too much, but like, I, I think that's for me, at least the the whole like the cheating scandal that we've been going through as a sport mm-hmm. as like a thing, um, is what it comes down to for me also. And I've tried to, even though like, you know, I, I was crushed by that loss in 2017 because it felt wrong, you know? And then to have those feelings be like, Oh yeah, you were kind of right. <laughs> your, your intuition <laughs> was right. kind of correct on this. Something <laughs> felt weird. Um, mm-hmm. but it's for me, it's bigger than that thing you know, it's about baseball and it's about like integrity and what the sport means and what is important and where the lines are and how, you know, like those microcosms of games that I was talking, like, it just is an advantage that changes what the sport means.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think that that's crushing in any sport, but uh, there's something about baseball where it's not just a matter of right and wrong. There's an an attachment to the way we feel and think about baseball. And we, it started out as, you know, it's, it's America's pastime. It was like the language of the country for the longest time. There's, there's so much attached to it that it's just like having your, like your childhood dreams crushed or something to learn something like that. I think there's more to it and more attached to it. And it just makes it all the more sickening too, because I think, you know, we're fans imagine how many people dedicate so much of their lives to make it to that place, and to think that those guys spent all that time and energy to get there, and they made it, and they're in this amazing position, and then that's how they actually feel about the game that they're willing. I agree. To do that is just disappointing to say the least. Truly,
0: but- yeah, absolutely, and it's yes, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't say it any better myself. You know, yeah. it's just like yes, absolutely. And I'm not, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people are like, what do you think that like, yes, this has been going on, you know, um, I'm not naive. I'm just like hopeful right? because you know? there's <laughs> yes. a lot of people who aren't yeah. doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so right. like, it's not everybody, it's some people. And, um, you know, how do you say this is like not a big deal. And then also shut out like Barry Bonds, one of the greatest hitters of all time. You know, like it doesn't, you can't hold yeah. the same arguments it like everything is just but it, i think we're just at a really interesting time in baseball like all over like not just men's baseball but like all of baseball that um you know it's been around for 150 years and i feel like the last eight years of men's baseball were all about like well it's we've been playing it for a hundred years And now all these things that we haven't seen since like the dead ball era are going to happen again, you know? And then like, Mm -hmm. okay, now the Cubs have won. So everything has restarted again, you know, like all of this stuff, just, it got like a reboot, you know? Um, and so then to see that be like one of the first things happening, um, was like pretty stark, but it also to me sort of lines up with like, if you flip it back on the turn of the century, like it's the industrial revolution. We're just in another one of those, And it's like taking advantage of those things that we have without really considering the consequences or what it actually means to the sport. It's like, just get this product out there and make as much money as you can, you know, which goes back to what you were saying about changing the game. And you're right. Like eventually we're just watching batting practice with like robot umps and like lights on the bases and there's not actual people out there and then you're just like wait i'm just playing a video game you know right or am i watching westworld like you don't really know where it starts and ends
1: god i know and i hope it doesn't get you know just even the 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 whole home run Generate this whole thing happening with just like home run after home run after home run, and everybody talking about what a big deal it is and how exciting it is. And I'm like, that is so boring. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think is this really exciting? Is everybody just getting caught up in the hype? Because I I agree, it's an incredible feat to to physically raise the bar like that. But also,
0: I just that's just boring, <laughs> right? I mean, when that's the only thing, I used to get excited about home runs because they were rare.
1: Right. It's, <laughs> a big know, deal. Like, it's a good
0: deal. It didn't yeah. happen all the time, and you didn't think you were going to see, you know, 15 home runs in a game or whatever. And to me, what's more exciting is, you know, two outs with runner, two runners on, and you're down by two, and you like manufacture runs. You know, like I like mm-hmm. to watch Cleveland games for that reason because it's like small market baseball. And oftentimes, like Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor are still players who who their main job is either to get on base or manufacture runs. And like how cool of us, like I've always loved that about baseball because it's like, it's a craft, you know, like you're using this like wooden tool to manufacture something. Yeah. And you have to like, cause the, the whole, well, not the whole, but part of the reason we have so many home runs is because of the shift. And the shift is like this crazy invention. And then like, that's the surest and quickest way to beat the shift is hit a home run And like, to me, there was a game last year or the year before where Rich Hill was pitching and the Dodgers were shifted all the way over and Matt Carpenter just hit a dribbler down the line and like got to second because there was nobody (laughs) over there. And like, that's what I want to see happening is, is instead of trying to hit a home run, you actually, you just put the ball in play when there's nobody there.
1: Yes. One of my favorite yeah. lines
0: in bull Durham is uh hit it where they ain't, you know. And that's like to me the biggest <laughs> the that's baseball. And that can be a home totally. run and it can also be a single.
1: Well, home run I think is part of the overall strategy. It's part of it. There is the whole yeah, hit <laughs> there there's a whole strategy that home run is a part of, but I don't it's like not the answer to everything. I guess that's what I mean by yeah. boring. I like I, seeing I, I like seeing the different ways that you can, you know, ha- have a back and forth in an inning and not just like
0: there it goes (laughs) there it is again
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly if
0: every play in football was a hail mary no one would watch football (laughs) you know yeah Um, yeah but there you go uh so let's get into your book um what it's a it's an absolutely gorgeous book and thank you for sending me a copy it's really great and i can't wait to really like really super dig into it. Um and I really love the illustrations. Well I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So what um what led you to to make this book and uh and to also illustrate it? It's pretty that's pretty powerful to do both of those things. <laughs> powerful, maybe not super smart. Uh, sure. <laughs>
1: At the, the, relatable uh, the the amount of work it became yeah, the original uh, the original idea was like you know quite a bit more simple and and less involved and it built into this thing that just kept the more the more information i acquired and the deeper mm-hmm. in i went the the more i realized there was a necessity for more pages and, sure. so and then i got to what was zero. the original
0: idea just kind of like a, more of like a graphic sort of comic style size
1: Uh, No. Uh, Well, even even simpler than that. Well, I, you know, well, how it how it basically started was that I had been doing a lot of baseball illustration and drawings in ballparks. I, you know, my boyfriend would bring his scorecard and I would bring my sketchbook and um, I had the uh, great fortune or pleasure to I've since become good friends with um, the Giants announcer or broadcaster John Miller And he has been so generous with uh, providing me opportunities to draw um, at ballparks and in the broadcast areas and just getting these great perches where I could really, uh, it it just opened up a whole new way for me to draw at games where I I had the the experience in the vignettes and the, uh, it just, the volume of it, you know, grew in the storytelling aspect. And I was able to just kind of start my own narrative of baseball through drawing. And uh, I just really was kind of doing it for fun. It sort of took on a life of its own as far as um, becoming uh, marketable, I guess. But um, I got to a point where I realized that I'd had no real drawings of women. And, yeah. <laughs> um, it, you know, there I had drawn other women fans but they're just the ratio of drawings of men and drawings of women and and i said i've said before you know it's it's there's nothing wrong or right or whatever it was just like visually kind of i realized it was boring all of a sudden like i just had these specific angles and shapes and figures that i don't know it was just sort of like oh boy i mean
0: look let's be honest at this point it's not Always about right or wrong. It is literally the same for me. It's like this is boring. It's boring to always watch the same <laughs> yeah. person do this thing. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. For me, it's yeah. like it is actually variety and more interesting to watch different and kinds of people play a sport that I love.
1: Totally, yeah. To watch them play, just to anything, anything. It's there's, you know, I mean, and if you're gonna pick one, I don't know, artists of of all. Stages of human existence have always tended toward painting women because there's just, I guess, more interesting lines. I don't know. But anyway, point being, as an artist and just then also suddenly realizing, wait, as a woman it opened up all these other curiosities of like, wait, you know, and and I, it was all things I hadn't really given much thought to until it was right in front of me, which I guess makes sense. That's how I learned in school. So why not learn in life?
0: I mean, that's how many people do, you know?
1: Yeah. Just visual learner, I guess. And that was sort of my own learning about myself was like, wow, I have just been drawing dudes for (laughs) like year after year, month after month, and it's fine. But I would like to do something else, but I loved baseball and the history and the stories. And my grandfather used to use his column he was a daily columnist and he would sometimes use his column format to share uh, stories that he loved from baseball history. And so I love that aspect of it. And I just thought there I've got to find some stories about women in baseball and thinking there's probably not many, because again, I was ignorant to it and I didn't know, but then I, I, you know, I just went right to a league of their own. Cause that was all I knew. And That's then I the started, one. yeah, yeah, started digging up some other stories and suddenly it was like, oh, wow. There are great stories of these women growing up as kids, uh, all over playing baseball with boys and, you know, in the thirties and the forties when it just was like completely unheard of, but just great stories about them growing up and their experiences learning about one another. And, um, how they learned to love the game and how they got good at it, despite knowing that there was never going to be an opportunity for them to play on any level other than just in their neighborhood. And uh, so that was the initial idea for the book was like, I found just these great little snippets of stories. So I thought it would be great to have a story on one page, maybe like three paragraphs. And then on the facing page, there would be a spot illustration just an illustration of that story and in some form or another well wow, so a and, single
0: page and then it's turned into it how many pages are in this book
1: uh if you count the end pages very uh ironically there are 162 pages oh
0: did you do that on purpose
1: i did not and wow. you know what's see this is really... the miracle
0: of baseball it just happens
1: right do you want to know something funny and this is of not a it's not like a an opportunity. Well, anyway, point is I'm embarrassed to say that it had to be pointed out to me. And this was well after it was like the page count had been established and I had been looking at the page numbers and it never occurred to me. But what's cool is the person who pointed it out to me was Bruce Bote. (laughs) So I was like, well, damn, that's cool. Bruce you just told me. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I'm glad you didn't. And he thinks I did it on purpose. I'll just let him think that.
0: (laughs) What a great gift, you know, like right. sometimes ignorance is bliss. You know what I mean? Cause y- if you would have known, then you maybe would have, he wouldn't have pointed it out to you. Right. Yeah. What a cool, he, that's a cool story. I love that.
1: He asked how many pages and I said, uh, well with the end page is 162 and he like smiled and looked at me and he's like, 162. And I was like, yep. That, that's ah. how many. Like I, <laughs> that's It so even great. still took me a minute. I was like, Oh, Oh my God. 162. Wow. That's very yeah. cool. <laughs> it is cool. It's yeah. very cool. And there's
0: there's so many stories. So I uh I worked uh, two years ago in 2018. I was in the writers' room for the television reboot. So oh, I cool. did like probably not, but a lot maybe similar amount of research that you did. Perhaps not into each each person's specific story in the same way that you were able to do, but like the overall amount of research that I was privy to, um, during that summer working on that show. I mean, it's what I found interesting is meeting a lot of people that thought that the league only lasted for a year because the movie only is one season. (laughs) And there's no, like that is the one thing about that movie that I wish I could be like Penny. Why did you not put an end card that said the league lasted until X to X, you know? Like why didn't you put that in there? Um right. and I guess because it was fictionalized, you know? Um with the, pe- the 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 people in the movie are not real people. But like it it is interesting to me that that is the case because it does when you watch it and realize like, "Oh yeah, this does make it seem like it was only this one year that they played together," you know? Um mm-hmm. but but it's 10 years. That's a long time. you yeah, know. Yeah. Or what?
1: A, Wait for, for 11. Wait, 11. Yeah, 11, 11. Yeah. 11, even more, yeah.
0: even more. I'm, I'm even wrong. Happy to be wrong. Um, <laughs> so that's so many years of baseball and they played a lot of baseball and it's a lot of cities in a time that most of us didn't exist, you know? So, um, what, what's yeah. like, And just to, because I didn't say this when we got into the actual conversation, but you uh, wrote and illustrated the incredible women of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, um, which is available now. It's available now.
1: It is as of uh, day before yesterday. Fantastic. It was just released. We're time traveling
0: a little bit, so it's absolutely available for everybody. And so you should, (laughs) anybody that listens to this podcast should absolutely go out and buy this book because it's such a great coffee table book and, uh. I just, it's beautiful. It looks like baseball, like the whole, f- I just really love it. Um, and I'm so glad that you made it. What, what's like a story that really sticks out to you? That was a big surprise when you were doing this research? Oh, wow. I was, I encountered so many surprises. Sure. It's hard um, to pull it down to just one, but
1: <laughs> gosh, I'm trying to, you know, I, I, well, I, I guess there were stories from players that definitely surprised me or moments, you know, like one of the funniest moments I had on the phone was, um, a player, Ellie Moore. I was in this like really disgusting, weird motel room in Rockford. I had been traveling mm. around some of the cities and, um, but a lot of my interviews were done on the phone and I was interviewing a woman by the name of Ellie Moore. And she, <laughs> she's talking about the skirts and the uniforms and the sliding and, you know, all, all, just the, like, how completely impractical they were. And these women just lived with strawberries on their thighs and she goes, Oh, but the worst was when you got your period. And (gasps) again, like that is so a part of everyday life. I I mean, it's like so normal, but the fact that I'm a woman and I haven't even thought to ask, or it, it didn't even occur to me. Oh my God, what did you, what would you do? Because they didn't have any of the things we have now that, you know, and just, it was like, Oh wow. And she just went on and on. I was like, this is cool. Cause I don't think many women of your generation really talk about this, but it got to the point where I was like, this is awesome. But I can't like include four pages about getting your period. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could, sure. but, you know, I have to illustrate it. So <laughs> yeah. Other problematic thing, but, um, I wouldn't say that's the most surprising story, but that was a funny, it's that was there. a funny moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's and true. there was a, there was a great story that was provided to me by a former player, um, that did not make the book that I'm, I'm bummed didn't make the book, but it's, it'll be told, but she basically, uh, she was in a convent or, you know, she was uh, studying to become a nun and was basically told not to take her final vows because she was busted at a baseball game and it's that's
0: a pretty awesome story. but Because she was busted at a baseball game? She
1: <laughs> she was, uh, she well, in a nutshell, I'll give the nutshell version of the story. She was tasked with bringing Mother Superior to a meeting with a bishop in Chicago. She was just outside of Chicago. So she drove her into the city and then went to her old school and visited some people. And these this group of kids, knowing that she was a big Cincinnati Reds fan, talked her into taking them to Wrigley because the Reds were playing the Cubs. Got it. And she was just gonna drop them off. But then uh the usher in front of the ballpark invited her to park in the vice president of the Cubs uh parking spot and take his box seats because wow. he wasn't there that day. And all he sees is like a nun in a habit sure. with kids coming to a baseball game. So he's like, Oh, take the and the Reds came from behind in late innings and she's like going out of her mind, hooting and hollering for her reds who came from behind and every news camera in the ballpark sees this. And (laughs) well, basically mother superior found out about it later because her meeting with the Bishop was to be televised. And (laughs) it, it essentially
0: was trumped by, (laughs)
1: by uh, Katie horseman
0: rooting for the reds. I mean, God works in mysterious ways, you know, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't meant to be.
0: I, it sounds like it. Sounds like she yeah. was exactly where she was supposed to be. I think so. I she think. she seems to have done all right for herself. Cool. Um yeah. I also really appreciate your the inclusiveness of your book, um with uh the sort of Latin American players in the the Negro leagues like uh Mamie Peanut Johnson and uh the other gals whose names are sliding right out of my brain as as I need to uh include them. But um Tell me how oh, that the, came uh, about.
1: Oh the you the other women who played in the Negro Leagues? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, Toni Stone Tony Stone and Connie Morgan. Oh, oh and Morgan. there's a musical right now that I yeah, really want to see. Musical, right? Yeah. It's uh, Tony
0: uh, Stone, right? Yes. Yeah. It's
1: about Tony Stone and it's in San Francisco right now. I'm going to have to try and go. But um yeah, well, you know There's just the, there's there's comes a point i know i had to focus on a story and i couldn't just suddenly be like okay all women in baseball um you know for the purpose of, of of a book and a story um keeping it to the one story but at the same time there you can't really tell a full story without including context of what is happening at the time and other things that are happening this is not an isolated thing in the world and other things affect it, and it affects other things and
0: um, and i mean it's, happening- it's true of the of you know the major leagues and the negro leagues themselves like i have talked about it on here before that like i was very disappointed in the the broadcast of the world series this past year that their uh exclusion of the negro league championships that were won um in the time frame like they were mm-hmm. they kept referencing you know the the national senators um, and like you know, the championship drought in the in DC without ever mentioning right. that the Homestead Grays had won it within that time frame, and it just is to me, you know, you're getting at something that I think is really important. That like, y- yes, the, uh, it is unfortunate, and it, but it is also the reality that this league was primarily white, and then later became exclusive or inclusionary to like Latin American players. Um, but did not have any black women in it. Um, and that's the reality of it. But the context of it is that the Negro leagues actually did this in a way, you know, like they actually had for a little while, a co-ed league, you know, um, which right. I think is also really important. And they're in the context of each other.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's, it's so important to see, you know, and and also just interesting and, and, it's just so telling to me that there's a clear without me even having to explain it. You know, I've had a few people not criticize, but kind of wonder why this sort of focuses on the beautiful aspects of things. And I'm not more appalled. And, Mm. you know, again, no, I guess for the sake of being boring, you don't need me to be telling you how messed up it is that, uh, women of color were excluded. It's like, I can just tell you what happened and it's right there. Cause we all, you know, it, it's, I'm not, and I'm also not going to hide it. I'm not going to say, well, I don't want to show the ugly side of this because everything has all these sides and it's important to the whole story, but it's so interesting to me to be able to see right there, the hierarchy of, of exclusion and where we were as a country and how amazingly close, if not uh, carbon copy we are to that, where, women, you know, there was solidarity, uh, you know, there's these women in this league together. But then when you talk about women of color, well, we're not there yet, but then you get to men and women of color and the level of discrimination where they were included in an entire league of men because they were women of color. It, It, I just, it's so incredible to me to see that, you know, almost visually laid out, um, and incredible to me that those women just persevered and created opportunities for themselves and were given opportunities despite not having the opportunity to play with the league. And yeah, I, I just think it's a fascinating part of it. And, you know, I would love to go further into those stories and, um, I think they should be told and I think they should be told often and, you know, during world series broadcasts. but, um, you know, who should tell those stories. And I, at the very least, you know, wanted to at at the very least include it in this story because it is a part of this story. It's not me just being like, Oh, I should mention this. You know, it's so important.
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's something to be said about um, allowing the reader to have the curiosity to find out more about those appalling things that you were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. because it, the path is laid out that if you're looking at something that is like, well, why did this only exist then? And then if you can follow that thread into the book, the book provides you enough information to then go, well, why did that happen the way that it did? Um, because if we only it, it, it then allows for the, the sort of natural discussion. And also what you're saying is like, um, I think often sometimes people don't include things because they don't think it's their story to tell. And I think that's, the, the more detrimental view, whereas at least, um, what you're doing is presenting the information without excluding anything, um, without commentary of, because I, I feel like all of these women deserve to be seen, you know, that's kind of the ultimate thing is like, like we we're talking about with the movie, like they got to be seen, in that way with that movie that people will not forget that movie it's you know going to be remembered forever um Mm -hmm. and black women are included in that movie not in the same way that they're included in your book um and that could have perhaps been done better but it was done the way that it was done and i think it allows for people to be curious and to like investigate those things on their own and come to their own conclusions without you trying to shoehorn something in just for the sake of it, you know, uh, just for the sake of putting it in, you know, and um, telling these women's stories is important, but also allowing the stories to be themselves, I think is also really important.
1: Well, thanks. I, I mean, that's my hope for it is my hope for the entire book is to spark curiosity. It's not meant to be the be all end all um, account of this. And it's meant to provide a different experience. And it's, you know, it's meant to tell a story that can, you know, prompt and bring about emotion, and if through emotion, we want to learn more, and we we connect to things or we are, are curious about things, and that's I mean that's all I could ever hope for with this. And there is I guess something to be said too for, you know, telling the whole story, but also not overcompensating. Right. This yeah. This sounds, I mean, and this is definitely not to criticize. I am so grateful for every opportunity I have to talk about this book, but, um, I guess because of the nature of it, I I've had the opportunity to speak with a lot of men. I actually haven't, (laughs) all my interviews have been, uh, conducted with men with the exception (laughs) of two written interviews. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, I'm grateful that they're curious and I'm grateful they're sharing the stories it's necessary. And it's awesome. But it's been an interesting experience to, there have been a couple who (laughs) kind of like couldn't stop themselves. It was like a runaway train of overcompensation of how awesome everything was and how great it was that I was here to talk about it, you know, but like (laughs) went so far that I was like, am I even talking about it? I don't know. Do you (laughs) want to hear what I have to say? Yeah. I mean... To the point where they're like, it's, and it's so important. And it's, and it's like, yeah, I, it, yeah, I agree. Um, do you want to hear about it? Do you want to know, you know why I think it is, <laughs> but I think they just got nervous and and you start entering into territory that you maybe aren't familiar with, or it isn't your story. Don't feel comfortable with. And yeah, I get it. I get it. I, you know, and, but at the same time it, you know, let's talk about it. Let's talk about why you're uncomfortable or let's talk about you know why I shouldn't be writing the entire story of Tony Stone or you know but why you should read
0: about it <laughs> right yeah exactly yeah it's yeah. pretty wonderful i i think you know uh as a culture because i don't want to specify because i feel like many people that are many different things you know many different things um it's not only men but i do think that they are predisposed to it by the culture that we live in um that uh, we often don't say like, you know, I never really thought about it that way. Or I hadn't thought about it like that before. And it that phrase is has been such a like, um, I need to bring it back. I'm realizing in saying it that I haven't been saying it very much. <laughs> so I need to like bring that back into my life and use that tool again. Um, because I've had similar conversations like you're talking about where you're like, okay, yes, I hear you do you hear me <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> I'm not actually saying anything and we're filling a lot of space with how great this is. I'm not sure why it is right now because we're really just kind of talking about that thing, you know? Um, but I think that the more the stories of people doing things that we didn't realize were happening is really important. Um, cause like I saw, there was like, uh, sections with just little quotes That says something to the effect of um, what the the All American Girls Professional Baseball League did was create like the Sandlot life of baseball in a way Mm -hmm. that uh, like men's professional baseball hadn't really done. Which I don't know that most people would agree with that, even though that's a quote from somebody who saw it happen. You know, like um, and I found that to be that was something that I hadn't seen, but in doing like. The, the research that I've done on these leagues in this time period, it makes so much sense to me um, because post post girls, professional baseball league is the time for that to be happening. And pre-base baseball league is when people had the time and the resources to be playing recreational baseball on like, you know um, their factory teams and like all the, like, p- People also don't really realize how much baseball was being played before we had television.
1: Right. Yes, totally. And, and I love that quote for that same reason that, you know, like you said, a lot of people may not agree with that, but what it may have changed also is the kind of Sandlot baseball being played in small towns. It it wasn't happening all over, which is why maybe some people would think, that may not be accurate, but in these towns where these women were playing, uh, it wasn't just little boys going out uh, in the sandlot anymore. It, it inspired and allowed girls to be doing the same because they saw it happening, which is kind of the entire point of the keeping the legacy alive and why I wanted to extend the book into an afterward about where what the importance of this legacy, and it's not just the fact that I love old stuff, which I sure. do, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I love history, and I love uh, I love vintage visuals and all that. I, I do, but uh, it's it's that there are, are a whole bunch of people who maybe a whole generation that haven't seen the movie, or if they have, they've seen that version of it, and just knowing it's possible, uh, you know, that's what those little girls in the '40s were seeing when they saw these women playing. And it
0: was like, well,
1: why can't I do it? And I think everybody agreed if if they went to pay to see these women play a baseball game, if their little girl was going to go out, it it made a viable option. It was like, oh, well, maybe she can go make a great salary playing
0: baseball, too. Right. Because people Um, also don't realize that these women were making a lot of money. Like even honestly, even now, that amount of money is a lot of money. Right. Especially for a lot of poor minor leaguers. Ugh. Sure, yeah. I mean, these women were making what is it's? If memory serves me right, it was about twelve hundred dollars a week.
1: Uh, well, no, I don't. Well, I mean, I think it's the it the equivalent is the equivalent of what would now right. be twelve hundred. So would they you- were making like. 50 to $85 a week, but that is what would be now right. about $1,200 a week. Yeah, definitely. Great. So I'm only partially wrong. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm partially wrong. You're,
0: you're, you're mostly right. Pretty accurate <laughs> depending on what uh, time zone we're talking about basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And I think that that, I love, as you said, the afterward for that reason, because it's not only about like, oh, let's remember this thing that happened and doesn't happen anymore because um, like people are like, Oh, I wish women played baseball. And you're like, they do (laughs) like, they do. (laughs) They really do. It's not like in this league wearing skirts and it's not, um, you know, Gina Davis, but like people are playing baseball, you know, uh, people are playing baseball all over the place. And, uh, I think it's really important to like, remember this legacy and also open it up to the fact that like many people, and that sort of brings me back to what I was saying about like being in this very interesting moment of baseball, of like where it's going to be, what it's going to look like. And I am much more hopeful that there are generations of people coming of age now who are interested in the things that they're interested in, not simply because it is a brand. Like you said, I love baseball more than I love the rivalry. And you could put that, you know, like I I love baseball more than I love my team. You know, like I have a very... Mm -hmm. We're strained relationship with the team that is like the one I feel most at home with, you know, for like many reasons because of the name and the logo and the sort of history of it. Um I still have a love of that team in a, in a fondness sort of nostalgic way, but I'm almost grateful for that them being the way that they are, because it has allowed me to realize that I love the game more than I love the team, you know, like then the merchandise and the, this and being the most diehard fan of this team and this franchise yeah. because like, ultimately, realistically, that team doesn't care about me and that's okay. <laughs> but I do feel yeah. in a way that baseball cares about me somewhere out there. Baseball cares oh, yeah. about me, you know, and baseball cares that you about it that you. Way. I love that. I
1: love that. And you're right. You could just say, I love baseball more than insert thing here. Whatever it it's is. Like, yeah. I love, actually, I just recently saw a bit, um, Jerry Seinfeld, I think it's the next, the Netflix special, but someone asked him, you know, like, what's wrong with the Mets? And he goes on to basically say, we are rooting for clothes. Like, these are, you are rooting yeah, for a right, uniform. Right. The guy in it changes, like, every other year. He goes on to somewhere else. He doesn't care about you. He didn't know you existed. It's just kind of what you're saying, where what we're rooting for is sort of the overall, the history, the lo- the brand, the nostalgia, the, and, and that's all a wonderful part of it. But like you said, you can't, you can't limit it it's to all, that. Yeah, and- It's
0: all extra. As far as I'm concerned, that's like extra sort of attachments that I can dip. Cause like, I definitely have a hat problem. Don't get me wrong. I'm into it, but it's not, <laughs> it's not the only thing, you know, it's not right. the, the, and he actually has a really gr- great quote that he was being quoted fr- on from like the recent like writers dinner or whatever when they had the nominations and stuff that I'm honestly pretty sure I have also said on this podcast before he said, <laughs> <laughs> or at least at the same <gasps> time, not Jerry knowing.
1: Seinfeld stole a from review. <laughs> yeah, he totally <laughs> stole
0: a joke. No, it just <laughs> that like baseball is 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 not life, but baseball is the lens through which I view life. And like that is absolutely the way that I feel about it. And that's not something you can really wear, you know? And um, Totally. I would also say that I like, as a person who's not a dude, you know, like who sometimes is believed to be a dude, but not always a dude, like in in letting go of that aspect of it, I walk around knowing I'm a baseball fan. And when people give me shit, I, it doesn't matter. Cause I know, you know, right. I know that I'm not like, if they're calling me out because they think I'm a, a woman that likes baseball and I'm not good enough, I'm just like, no, I know that I am, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't. And, and then you real it the
1: moment that they, it's funny. It's like the moment you are met with something like that. They're instantly rendered sort of powerless. If you don't care, it's like, you just, it's almost it, it in a sick way. It's almost fun to watch when sure. they just, they're just like, yes, I see something and I'm going to get you for it. And they pull out either the being a woman thing or, uh, or a team thing. And it's like, you can almost see them deflate when you (laughs) don't care, but, uh, it's, eh, I don't know. It's, it's just, I think sometimes like, oh, like, you know, sometimes you see someone with, uh, like their team logo tattooed and, and part of me is like, man, that's kind of a cool cultural hometown thing. You're, you're really dedicated. But then another part of me is like, wow. Wow. You are giving them a lot of your money, I bet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Too much. You have been branded. Yeah. (laughs) You have been branded.
0: These are, unfortunately, right now, corporations, you know? And uh, there's also people in those corporations that are really wonderful. But it's a balance, you know? Definitely. Definitely a balance.
1: And I love, I actually love that quote, whether, whether it came from you first or Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> yeah. I think right. we all know the truth. Sure. But. We all do in our hearts.
0: We know what is, <laughs> yeah,
1: real. we know, but I love that because it, it, to me, that is how I feel about, I mean, that's how, that's how I feel. But I also, I, I think that's kind of how some of my favorite baseball writers and storytellers have come to be my favorites is because they're not just giving a rundown of the plays or like someone like Roger angel. I don't know if you've read much of his writing or yeah. Or um, well, Roger Kahn who just passed away uh, and Doris Kearns Goodwin also her wait till next year. They're like these narratives that intertwine life and memory and feelings and growing up and all these things. And it's all through this lens of baseball
0: and it just, I don't know it makes it so much better to me
1: (laughs) yeah it's a better story
0: it's a great story and Anika you've written a beautiful one and you've illustrated a beautiful one and I can't wait for everybody to check out your book and uh I'm so grateful that you uh spent so much time on my lovely little podcast I'm so grateful that you're here (laughs) thanks so much for talking to us
1: thank you so much Rhea thank you for the kind words and for having me on it's it's a pleasure
0: (laughs)